This is Colossus, and you are listening to The High Regard Show. The High Regard Show. It's... Before the argument starts, let's make sure we get it all recorded <laughs> for, for prosperity reasons. Check out The High Regard Show. New episodes every Monday. Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is the High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, it don't get better than that. No, sir, it doesn't. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hello, hello. It has been a week of turmoil, to say the least. Yes, the whole world has pretty much imploded from the Middle East to our own shores here in America. It has. And and even Asia as well, with Bangladesh and everything. Because that's Asia, not the Middle East. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got that going for you. <laughs> but we're not talking about any of that today. We decided early, early, I guess is what I'm going to say, because our, our show prep was so spot on this week. All right, so just let's rewind a little bit. We come back from vacation. We're all amped up. We record a show for you guys. We put it out. It does pretty good. Okay. Normal thing, right? Normal week for us? Yeah. So in a day's work. So then the week starts up and, you know, nothing really new to report. It was not easy getting back to the grind, especially considering 4th of July night. For whatever reason, absolute insanity happening in the Just outside our window, yes. Yeah, behind our apartment. Like, seriously, till... 3.30 in the morning, music playing. Yeah. I was working, and I was working because I'm have been i on the overnight shift right now, and I had to wear earphones until like 3.30 in the morning because it was screaming, it was music, it was fireworks, it was, and it was like, it's a work night. Like, what is wrong with you? Well, that's the thing. If it wasn't a work night and it was a regular Saturday, we would be like, look, we know what to expect. Yeah, we were bracing, we were actually bracing for it on Saturday and Sunday. Like, I figured it would be Saturday and Sunday. And it wasn't too bad, actually, over yeah, Saturday. Yeah, no, and I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, we missed it because last 4th of July was a nightmare. Like, I feel like it is even strange. And not in a racist way. I'm just going to put that out there right now up front. And I can see your scowl starting to I'm form. I'm not before even scowling. Even it's just my, my face. To make, before I even make my point. But my point is this. This was not your typical, like, blasting heavy metal. It was not blasting, like, rap. It was not dancing, like, it was not blasting, like, house music. Top 40 or anything. It was Mexican music the whole night. Yeah. And what I don't understand is, is you literally had your holiday two months ago. You literally (laughs) just had Cinco de Mayo, and we had to listen to Spanish music (laughs) around the clock. 
Now it's Fourth of July. They do love their Fourth of July department. Like, the, like our neighbors do love their Fourth of July celebration. I mean, like it was there was like. 50 some people out there because I of course peeked out because I like to make a big deal about everything and I like peeked I stuck my head out the screen and was just like oh Jesus Christ when I saw like what we were in for there were like there was like long tables just lining the whole alleyway between our building and the next building there's like it's maybe like 20 feet wide you know and like they often have parties out there and stuff and I was just like oh son of a bitch like we're we're screwed yeah and here's the weird thing though in a time Where so many, it seems like maybe it's just social media and it's, and it's not a good representation. I feel like we walk around here. It's a very, very different view of the world where we say, Hey man, putting up a wall between the United States and Mexico is a ridiculous idea coming from the city. But I do know other places and other people that I know and and follow on social media (laughs) and know in your personal life. Like we've talked about that before. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a totally different mentality. And I think that that's something that we're going to get into like a little bit later into the show as well. But what's so strange is that like, why would you celebrate the independence of a country that right now, honestly, the majority of it, or at least half of it, who are not part of your cultural settings who, doesn't want you here in the first place. And a person who is like running hell bent on trying to become the leader of said country. Yeah, is saying we're going to put a wall up. Why would you celebrate that? I feel like that should have been the first spark of riots. Not that I'm promoting riots in any way. I'm just saying like 4th of July should have been a time to get out and protest and be like, oh, okay, well, you're celebrating your independence from somebody else, but now. You're trying to break away from the people who are help making the country better than what it was because they don't want these jobs. See, I think the world has changed to a point where these holidays don't mean anything. Like Christmas doesn't mean anything to a great majority of people, you know. There's there's Catholics that like, of course, you know, there's like the Catholics and stuff that are like, this is the birth of Jesus. And then Easter is, you know, the resurrection of Jesus. But for I think a lot of people, Christmas is a time to get gifts. It's a time to get time off from work. It's time to get in debt. It's right. And then like, you know, Easter's just a day to have, you know, the Friday before off. Like it's not like for a lot of people who celebrate things, it's not it doesn't mean something to them. It's just like, okay, this is a national holiday. July fourth is a national holiday. A lot of people don't really give a shit what the meaning of it was. It's just that, hey, we're off today. Hey, like the tradition is to barbecue and whether or not you remember to send out your social media thing like thanking the veterans and things like that. I think people just do that to feel like they're part of the conversation that's on social media and in, you know, oh, we have to thank the veterans and things, which we should, of course, but we shouldn't wait until Veterans Day, Memorial Day, Fourth of July. That's something we should do on a daily basis, not just as a fucking hashtag. Well, but I mean, this is the society we become because this is how we've raised our kids to go and long and do it. So, and that's quite the segue. I was just going, going to, to say, <laughs> you are zipping around on a little segue right there. <laughs> it's, it's coming around. I threw my boomerang out. It's coming back. Don't worry. But seriously, it's, it's strange because that's how the week started where no sleep. And the next day going to work, it was like, oh my God, this is, I am like dying from this schedule. You had to be exhausted because you were up all night anyway. But luckily you got to sleep for a little while, like when you were done with your shift. And then comes night number two for you, 
and I wake up the next morning after hardly getting any sleep again just because of whatever reason, wound up or whatever. <laughs> and then my day starts off with Nikki saying, I just had the worst night last night. Something terrible happened. A guy like film a guy was like filmed actually dying live streaming on Facebook. Well, that wasn't no, no, no. That wasn't even the first one. The first one was Alton Sterling, who. But that's not what you mentioned to me first. I didn't even know about Alton Sterling until I got to work and tried to read about the live video feed, and then I was like, "Holy crap!" There was two shootings. Yeah, and like because Alton Sterling was shot early Tuesday morning, um, in Baton Rouge, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and then the next day, I was just getting onto my shift, and I'm a journalist, so. You know, obviously that was the top of the news for the day. Um, For my whole shift, that was like the top of the news was just, you know, everything that was coming out about um, Philandro. Wait, I hope I I hope I said his name right. I'm sorry. If you didn't say it right, I'm sure there's a million other news outlets who actually are experts at things (laughs) who will be able to get that name right. (laughs) Yeah, his name is Philando Castile. Right. So, yes. So that like broke with the whole, you know, the the video and everything. And it was just like, wow, like two and 24 hours. And then it just, you know, and then we reached the boiling point that we reached on, you know, Thursday evening. And which I knew was coming because I told you before you even started work that night, I was like, the pattern has always been misconduct on day one, retaliation on day two. Mm -hmm. It has been the pattern forever for the past it's several summers i mean like and and the thing is, and the thing and i and i mentioned this to you the other day like especially after reading the things that i've been reading and listening to the news reports and looking at the figures as a journalist as i'm supposed to because like it all comes down to the fact that like up until recently I've was I don't know if it was lucky or not because maybe I wouldn't feel so shell shocked as I do about the state of the world but given the fact of my past jobs which you know mostly was arts and entertainment with a little bit of politics a little bit of like social commentary and you know topical things most of my life has been buried in the sand of just arts and entertainment music food theater things like that so And I came from a very, as I've mentioned before, a very vanilla white bread world where maybe news like this, like this is how it's always been. And it wasn't until I moved here to a place that is a true melting pot of society and people and colors and traditions that like you see the world as you as people need to see the world, that it's not just what's around you. Yeah, but that's the thing, though. Like, it, if you watch news reports right now, you're going to be seeing, like, highlights from the major cities where these things take place. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, you're going to have, like, stuff that's happening in Minnesota right now because right. of the situation. You're going to have stuff, big cities, like, all, like, supporting it. Chicago, New York, L.A., mm-hmm. Atlanta. Like, these are all places that you'd expect to see it. I'm willing to bet you anything and I have yet to like reach out to anybody that I know back in Pennsylvania. I bet you anything, there are not marches happening in the streets in Pennsylvania. Like no. nobody cares. And I bet you it's the same way every place west of New York, except for those big cities that right. we talked yeah. about. Yeah, I mean, I believe that. And I mean, I, although, you know, after Orlando, 
um, the killing, the, the the shooting, the mass shooting at um, Pulse nightclub, the gay the gay um, yeah. club. I do know that back in Pennsylvania, the local um, you know LGBT association that I had been part of when I was a journalist back there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that they held like vigils and things like that. So I, I, but I've not seen like my friends from back home posting about protests or, you know, peaceful marches or anything like that for something like this, like the gay community they rallied behind. But when it's something like race or police, because there's no, there's no integration. What's the word I'm looking for? Integration? Integration. Yes, thank you very much. That's the word I'm looking for. Found. Half the time. Sometimes (laughs) I don't know what you're trying to say. (laughs) The integration of... Integration. Integration. Of race isn't really a thing there. Like, you have to admit it. Like... It's true, yeah. When we look at Pennsylvania, it's a white... Right. It's, it's, It's white. And in my... You know, up until... Up until I started working full time when I was, what, like 20... I had only known two black people and they were two girls that I went to school with. They were the only black kids that went to my school. And you know, that has like whatever, like I don't know what to say about that, but like, that's not like, you know, I didn't choose to have that upbringing. That's the upbringing I had. That's where I was raised. Just like anybody else has, nobody else has the choice of like where they're raised and stuff. So it's like my whole life was not like, and I never thought anything bad about black people. I never thought anything like that because it just wasn't something that was near me you know and even in there are black areas of where i'm from but like nobody goes there it's just like they are segregated like there is still like segregation it's completely segregation and you know the weird thing about it is is that people eventually do move but like how do you like like everybody's saying like education is the key and i 100 percent also agree that education is mm-hmm. the key people have to be educated as far as i don't know like let's say they're like cultural differences why people do the things they do i mean there's definitely reasons for everything but we don't study those because you don't see you don't think about it right out of yeah, sight, out out of sight of my, yeah exactly what it is. exactly so then you're put in a situation where like you move to the city and you're thrust into the middle of it and of course there's going to be acclimation to you know everything that you see around you it's going to be like a sensory overload of something that you've never seen before to the majority of what you're going to see is going to be this especially in a neighborhood where mm-hmm. we live right and it don't take long to acclimate and get used to it, but you can't explain that to people who've never been around it. Like if we reach out to people, you know, back in Pennsylvania or Florida or wherever that we've, you know, that we know people at. Right. And we try to explain to them, like, what Harlem is like now. The immediate go to thing is, oh, my God, you live in Harlem. And they can't even get past that point. Right. Yeah. Where it's kind of like, you know. We get along fantastically with the black community because I feel like in a lot of ways we share a lot with them. We're here because we're not the 1%. Right. We're not, you know, we have a lot of the same ideals. We don't want to be harassed by police. And that's another thing, like, you know, right now, like, the general consensus is that only black people are being stopped by police and stuff like that. We talked about this in past shows mm-hmm. when we talked about like stop and frisk. Like I would say that the majority 
are like i would say that the majority are of people of color but that's the majority of people that are in our area but it doesn't mean that i haven't gotten stopped on numerous occasions mm-hmm. to being st- stopped and frisked and there's nothing that lends you know that police would look at me and say like oh and there's something suspect about him i'm just vanilla man i just blend in with everything so <laughs> for me to get pulled out it's kind of like all right it is just a random thing where they are pulling people out in general but if let's say 85% of your population is black, and that's the area you're talking about where police are doing stop sure, and frisk. Sure, yeah. Guess what? 85% more black people are probably going to be searched than white people because that's just the numbers of the people that are in the area. So, you know, there's a lot of misleading information out there as well. But that doesn't forgive the fact that there was this horrific situation and again i don't want to get into the situation itself because as of right now there just seems to be like pieces that are coming in that nobody knew about right like, and before if, and, and if it, on all three counts on you know the the shooting of alton sterling the shooting of philando the Dallas, the, there's so much that like you still don't know because like all these investigations are pending and things. So we don't want to like, like we have to address it because I just think as humans, like on whatever color you are, whatever race, I mean, even just the horrible shootings in Bangla, like the horrible bombings in Bangladesh and Dhaka and just all of these, like this was a horrible week. It was as, horrific. As, as, as like, you know, as a person and as a journalist who's reporting these things, like, I'm like, give me a fucking dog story. Like, where, <laughs> give me, like, is anybody doing anything with a puppy right now that I could write about? Because it was just like, wow. You know what I mean? It's just, this is the world that we're living in. And, like, and I get so, and I got so emotional. Like, this was the most emotional week that I think I've ever had in my career just as a human. Because you see this and it's like, you think about the kids, and it's like, this is the world they're growing up in. Like, I didn't know this shit existed until I was, like, pretty goddamn old. You know what I mean? Like, Well, a lot of it was hidden from you because, I mean, you know, where you lived, this didn't matter. And that's the honest truth. Right, of it. yeah. That's the honest and truth in a place it. like... It didn't. If I had heard about, you know, DACA 10 years ago, I'd be like, where the fuck is that? Like, Right. But now it's like... I am a journalist who's covering the world and it's like this is my backyard because it's part of my world. And living in this city, you will run into people from everywhere all over the world. Like yeah. you will know somebody who knows the areas that are being exactly. talked about. It's just the way it is. And that's and like that's the sad thing because I do know someone who knew someone who was killed in Bangladesh. And it's like, my God, like the fact that you are like that we have to live like this is is horrific. Well, it's what it now has become. But Unfortunately, this show cannot be what your original proposal was. Your original proposal was, let's just talk about puppy dogs. Unfortunately, <laughs> Honestly, we're a podcast. <laughs> it would just sound weird with a bunch of dog sounds. People would be listening to the show yep, thinking, yep, 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 yep. what are they doing with those animals? Like, now there's another concern. If we were a video podcast, maybe. Maybe we could do that if we ever hey have guys, a YouTube channel. Just listen to me, like, talking to Nikki. Like, this is my Nikki talking to dogs voice. Like, that's pretty much all I wanted because that's just what I mentally needed. <laughs> <laughs> the fact of the matter is just we are... 
so unaware of things that are actually around us and close to us and like things like social media things like podcast tv uh, email like inter like anything any kind of new technology has shrunken the world to the point where now we are affected by this and even people that live in places where there are not diversified you know people in an in a close mm -hmm. proximity even they have to start looking at it and being like, all right, something is seriously broken with the system. I'm not going to blame one side or the other side right now until like, all like the we're all hurting. We're all hurting. But that's that's the point. The point is that like we feel bad for everyone who's gone through this. And I mean, I guess that's really all you can say about it, because, right. you know, otherwise you're going to start like, you know blurring the lines and trying to justify and we're not trying to justify anything that's happened because i don't think that you really can justify at this point all the stuff that happened it's just horrific stuff that's going on in the world yeah so let's imagine puppies and go into this week's you heard which will segue a little bit into the rest of the show which we will actually get started <laughs> after these words from Nikki Miscali on You Heard. You Heard? This week's You Heard. It comes to us from 91st and Central Park West, a very Tony neighborhood in New York City. We might have to bring Cromwell back. Maybe, maybe this is like his family because it sounds like it would be <laughs> his family who said this. I think Cromwell's Cromwell's resting his throat at the moment, so you do some talking. <laughs> So this I overheard on 91st and Central Park West. Of our six and a half bathrooms, only one is going to have a bathtub now. Oh, <laughs> no. It's so sad. Only one bathtub in our six bathrooms? Do you know what I would give to have a second fucking bathroom? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Two shits. All right. <laughs> That is this week's You Heard. So I think that was a kind of like a decent segue into a little bit of <laughs> what we're talking about for the rest of the show. Yes, bathrooms sum it up completely. <laughs> no, it's the it's the six bathrooms. Like, who in New York fucking city has six goddamn bathrooms? A lot of people have, like... Who? A lot of people that you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people that want... No Every person you pass that looks the other way when they're walking towards you, and you know they're going to hit you. But they're just like, oh, my. And they just, like, look away from you thinking that at the last second you're going to avoid them. Yeah. And you don't. Every one of those people usually has more than us. <laughs> because it's kind of like they look right through you. You could see that. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. They're better. They're, they're totally they are. 100% better They sure better are. They sure are. But, you know, it all comes from something. It's and it. And it all comes from, again, and, and it, this all gels together 
because it all comes from how kids were raised. And it's weird because you could see the ripple effect like over the years. We watched, um, because our 4th of July was so special during our recovery process from <laughs> coming back from vacation, we watched um, The History of Us, um, the, the America Story, The Story of America, or whatever it was on History Channel. Was I there for that? You were. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> it, I thought it was good. You apparently had different things. I'm sorry it wasn't the man in a high castle. But, <laughs> <laughs> but basically, they were showing pictures of like the Statue of Liberty being built. And oh, Sky I remember Scrapers that part, yeah. Built, and they had like little kids working on like skyscrapers, little kids doing major construction projects, mm -hmm. you know, working in coal mines as America was that, being yeah. built and building railroads. And as they got older, they were tough sons of bitches that like, <laughs> when did you, know, you get so soft? You <laughs> sons of bitches. They, yeah. It was just like a society of little Stacy Keaches growing <laughs> up and turning into that. But I mean, those people, had to work in order to make their lives better. And they had to do the shit work in order to make this right. country what it is now. But over time, and I think it's natural instinct for parents to say, I want my kids to have a better life than I did. Sure, yeah. And with each passing generation, we've tried to, at least, make it a little bit easier with each passing generation. And I feel like the results are in. We have made it so easy for kids that they don't even need to live anymore. <laughs> that we could just put them in incubators and just like feed them through tubes and say, don't get up. Just lay there. Everything will be done for you. And then eventually you'll just die off and you don't need to have like any means of a legacy whatsoever because your life shouldn't be strenuous. Right. Exactly. Like I, I totally, I totally agree with that. And it's so messed up because I'm, I'm watching this thing, like I said, on a Monday. And then, like, I believe it was on Wednesday, I see this article in, like, The Sun, which is a newspaper based out of the UK, mm -hmm. about this new thing called Generation Snowflake, which has been flying under the radar. And after reading the article, I was like... You were, you were angry. Well, let me just say, when I first read the name Generation Snowflake, I fell into the same trap you did. Because ever since I've turned you on to this story and was like, maybe we should do the show on this because, you know, we should stay away from the stuff that every single other person is reporting on. Let them do it. Let's unbury this little gem for a minute <laughs> because I feel like it needs some addressing. You've been calling it Operation Snowflake. And that, my dear, is where I got drawn in. Because as soon as I saw Generation Snowflake, my first thought was from Fight Club. <laughs> because that was a whole thing, you know? So yeah. I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like going, man, you are not a unique and beautiful snowflake. And I was like, this has to be some kind of Chuck Polinak thing. I'm going to read about this whole situation. And then I read it and I'm just disgusted disgusted you were disgusted by it basically <clears throat> <laughs> this woman claire fox has written a book mm -hmm. about this latest generational trend of what shall i even call it i mean 
it is, I feel, far worse than millennials, who we've already picked apart in yes. a previous show. This new generation gets upset at words and visual cues mm -hmm. to the point where they need stamps on books to let them know that it could be, you know, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? It could be like... Um, it could upset you, like like yeah. just like, like the video for you know the shooting or anything that's bad has warning graphic content on it. So right. you're watching it at your own risk, right? And this specific this specific article that I had read happened when this woman said that she was shocked. She was giving a lecture um, to a bunch of college kids, and she had made a comment. Along the lines of, and she is a known feminist. Mm -hmm. That and she's basically like they refer to her as like a thinker. Like she's a writer. She's like writes think pieces and things like that. So right, she made a comment that rape is not the worst possible thing that could happen to a woman. Right, and the crowd turned on her drastically. And it wasn't that she wasn't saying that rape isn't horrible. She wasn't saying that, but like there are, you know, that there were other things to consider that could happen to you that might be worse than rape. And instead of listening to the rest of the speech, <laughs> it wound up being that these people just freaked out and mm -hmm. automatically were like, how can you say this? And they and started crying. Like there were, there was crying. There crying. Crying <laughs> over somebody saying rape is not the worst possible thing that can happen to a woman. But and instead and instead of opening up to a conversation as to why, they just didn't want to hear her explain her thoughts. Like they they you know, they just started screaming and, and getting all worked up and everything because they didn't they refused to absolutely like Listen to someone whose opinion, whose thoughts might differ slightly from their own. Right. In fact, there was a survey that was taken, um, and they found out recently, and this is on Wikipedia, that seventy-six percent of students would ban speakers who had views that offended them, while half, forty-eight percent, wanted universities to be declared safe spaces where debates can only take place within strict rules. But excuse me, isn't that the whole exact opposite of what the education system should be? The education system should be to educate you to, number one, think for yourself and not think like a group of people that you've been associated with your whole life, is to educate you on the goings-on of the world so that you get the big picture of the world. Well, that's that's exactly where I was going with this, is that you have these people who will say, listen, you need to narrowly focus on things that aren't going to upset us and make us cry. What is the current state of our country, world? What is the current state of right. our world right now? It is nothing but upsetting. Between and you have to look at that. Like you, like, you have to look it dead in the eye because it is there. And it's not like and, – and one of the things that, like, one of my friends posted on Facebook this – like, it was a very well thought out. She was the person who, um, you know, knew someone who was killed in the Bangladesh attacks. And she was just like, you often think about things like, oh, well, DACA and a 
Iraq and insert every other place that has had a suicide bombing or Paris or, you know, anything else. Oh, well, that's like, you know, a million miles away from me. No, it's not. It's here in our it, it's it's everywhere now. This world is a war zone. It is. And you have to open your eyes because someday you're going to wake up and you're going to be fucked because you're not going to know what's happening and what you need to do. Well, we're there right now. And the problem is, is that over time in making it easier for our kids and telling them that they're always right and that, like, you know, you should be rewarded for everything as opposed to having to earn everything. Exactly. And keeping your kids with the same group of people over and over. Because it's a safe haven. Exactly. Like, and granted, you know, we were, we... I, okay, maybe not you so much, but, like, I was brought up in a place that was kind of a safe haven. Like, we didn't have a lot of, like, I I don't remember a lot of crime, so maybe, like, I just missed it because of whatever, being just, you know, a stupid kid or something like that. But I don't remember a lot of, like, bad things happening. I mean, I remember there, like, there were certain murders that kind of stood out in my mind that were huge in the area, but, like, it wasn't something that occurred every single day. It wasn't something that occurred... Often enough where you're just like, wow, I'm nervous to like go into town, you know? Right. Well, these kids, they're, I mean, first it started off with, I mean, and, and here's how it, here's how it, you could see the, the actual implosion of the society as from what it was to what it now is, where it went from these hardworking people who built bridges, tunnels, cities, and then they grew up and they said, we don't want our kids to do this. So they went from standing on skyscraper beams to working in factories, still not a great Mm -hmm. life. And then those people said, man, this isn't good enough for our kids. We want them to work in offices. And then those kids would then go and get jobs in offices and they would say like, this still isn't good enough for our kids. Because now I'm not being creative and I'm not expressing my individuality. And So then you have this birth of shows that come out kind of like, you know, like girls where it's like, what do you do for a living? Getting money from your parents and moving into New York City is not living. It is mooching. It is just not adding any value whatsoever. And you think that can be the possibly worst that it could get at that point in time because you're not doing things for yourself. And that has always been my complaint with millennials. And right. then And it's not to say that like you it's know It's not all of them. Right, it's not all of them. And it's not to say that like, you know, we haven't taken a handout from our own parents, you know, in our almost middle-aged life because everybody, everybody needs, needs help, help. At some yeah point. but I'm it's not, not like that. oh i'm not gonna work mom so pay for my apartment in the city that you first of all don't even want me to live in <laughs> you know but if we could work that out we totally <laughs> no, would shit. it's not that i hate <laughs> that millennials i'm just jealous of millennials <laughs> no it's not true i hate millennials but anyway not all of them just the, just like the the ones the that you ones. all know about the textbook <laughs> ones yeah the textbook ones but then you come to a point you're like this has to be the worst of it it cannot get any worse than a lazy society that is just handed everything and that's i think the difference between generation snowflake and millennials because millennials i think a great many of them do have beliefs and they are part of the conversation that needs to be having in the world where you see them 
at the Black Lives Matter protests because they believe in equality. You see them at... <laughs> do they believe in equality or do they believe in, I need to be the center of attention. I need to post <laughs> photos for Instagram. And how cool is it going to cool be am I? Right. when I'm in the middle of this I'm mess? Not, we're not going to even get into, because there's exceptions to every rule. There definitely are exceptions to every but rule. But that's the thing, though. But like they, like they, I think a great many of them are, you know, they're aware of what's going on in the world. They do, like, a lot of them do want to see change. They do want, you know, all of us to be equal and et, et cetera and so forth. But this Generation Snowflake doesn't want to do anything like that. They want to stick their head in the sand and just be like, my life is a happy mommy and me class. That's what my life is. That's all my life is, is a happy mommy and me class. Well, the amazing thing is, is that basically what the Snowflake generation is, is... A reflection of what, like, you would imagine a 50s housewife scenario was. Exactly. Women work so hard to get all these rights. To where we are, yeah. And then they get them and they look at it and they're like going, "Mm, this isn't really what I thought I wanted it to be. I'd rather go back to the way it was and not have to deal with it. That is a fucking really good analogy. Like, we are at a point where we have fought, women have fought for for the fact to be equal for equal pay which we'll probably never fucking see it's getting closer though it's getting closer i mean and whether you love her or not we have a woman that is going to be a candidate for president like great whether and i'm not getting into a political discussion but like this is a person who had to like you know a, a sex what do you yeah like a gender that had to fight for everything that we've had which, granted, I would love to be a 50s housewife because I don't want to fucking work, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to be a kept woman, but, like, whatever. Just give me my opium. Everything is going to be all right. I'll have your martini. I might not be the greatest cook, but, like, we'll have casseroles and, like, slow cooker meals. Like, fine. This would be great. Roasts for everyone. <laughs> that should be the new slogan for Snowflake Generation. Whoever runs as their political party's presidential nomination should be a roast in every oven. <laughs> That's what that should wind up being by the time all said and done. Because it's, you know, you're looking at it and you're saying, my God, you have made it so far as a gender. Black people have made it so far as a race. And I'm not saying that we're done. We are by no means done on any level whatsoever. Any good that has been had gets undone on an almost daily basis. Well, it's a lot easier to undo the good than it is to do the good. Because... You know, as we have seen over the last week, the media doesn't cover good stories. We tried. We tried to make this we tried to make this program this week be lighthearted. We wanted to like my my initial idea was to just say, like, look, we're gonna address the shootings, we're gonna address the sadness and the tragedy, and then let's look at, you know, some of the good that happened this week. And I was like, there's gotta be something good. You go through every Everything. single news outlet to find out what can we dig up that's going to be like Like somebody cheerful. helping somebody or, you know, like, that. I, and I was like, there's nothing. It doesn't generate advertising dollars. The misery <laughs> does. The, the undoing of all that is good is what generates money because we are cynical as a people and we need to have like that constant conflict because we but all need it, a side. Is it technically our fault? Because this is just... This they're reporting what is happening, and this is what's happening. Yeah, but I mean, there. Here's my here's my whole thoughts on the coverage because I mean, this happens with every single tragedy. When nine eleven happened, 
the media basically hypnotized everyone to mm -hmm. think that they were next. And yeah. in a way, I mean, it's something to think about because, I mean, nobody expected the Twin Towers to come down at the time. And it was an unbelievably, still to this day, like it is still hard to believe that those buildings aren't there anymore. Mm -hmm. And that many people died here, like in this city where, I mean, you know. Where people came to start, where people came from places where this happened on a daily basis like look at europe look at look at right. london for fuck's sake london got bombed how many times in a war just like in, in world war Two alone how many times did you know blitzes happen and things like that so it's like for us it's like we america was we had that america was generation snowflake for a long time yep and then all of a sudden this tragedy happened they scared the shit out of everyone and People and then the media has been like, hey, you know what? When we say you could be next, people tune in. So now every time there's any kind of tragedy whatsoever, it's, you know, the mentality of it or the media's job now to just say you could be next. And that's what's happening. And people now in smaller places that aren't being affected by these things necessarily are starting to stand up and say, yeah, we could be next. And it's possible. But they're taking it to the extreme because the media, the media is pushing for that extreme. Of course, because the media needs something to, to report. To report. And you look at some people. I mean, the people that I like to follow on social media for the most part, it's, it's a dead split. There's no gray. It's either all doom and gloom. <laughs> or just like the most ridiculous fluff you will ever yeah. see in your life. Because you need that kind of balance. And like, and that's something that like I, with, with my mom, like my mom will watch the news from like, when I went home to visit a couple weeks ago, I was just like, mom, I, I can't handle this. Like I can't, like it's just, and we've said before, you know, she's a Fox news aficionado and whatever, but like, <laughs> it's just, watch a comedy once in a while watch like you have you can't just because every time I'm out in the city like when I'm talking to her like I had a doctor's appointment this morning and she's like I'm walking home from it and she's like oh my god like you shouldn't be out you should get home you should get home and I'm just like I'm on my way home like right. <laughs> you know it's just like still live either way <laughs> exactly and it's like of course like I I don't ever want to like have be in a place where something bad is gonna happen but like yeah I get scared like I'm really scared to live in this world right now. And I think if you're not, at least in some way, like I'm not going to be like shaking in the corner, you know, and like not and be like a shut in. But like you should be concerned about the world that you're going out in on a daily basis, because as things have proven for the last 10 years, anything could happen anywhere. And it's not going to get better. No, it's one hundred percent not. The powder get keg has been lit, like the powder, and it's and it's not just the, by the events of the things that have happened by the events of this week. The powder keg has been lit a long time. It's just the fuse gets a little brighter, gets a little faster. Yeah, and you know it's weird because I feel like especially now, and maybe it's just like 
the political climate of things because of the worst election in all oh, of Jesus history Christ. we it's are like, in the midst of. Are we in a movie? Or like, Are we like, is this like a joke or something? It is. I've waiting for Ashton Krunchner to come out and say a prank. <laughs> Give me a big tuna fish sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> that is entirely too much tuna. But... You know, you may, but maybe it is the political factor that's making people like do things. I mean, t- today, for instance, um, I was scrolling through social media, and one of the things that stood out to me was, and I don't know if this person listens to the show. I follow them on social media. I'm assuming maybe they do, maybe they don't. They might get upset if they hear this. I really don't give a shit because I'm not here to like cater to one person. Um, but they had a. Uh, they had a post that said, um, oh, great, you know, two black guys and five cops dead. Here we go again with Democrats going to, like, pull out we need more gun control laws. Get ready for this, folks. And it's kind of like the ignorance. Why is that the first thing that you would think to post? Why is that? Why is that the first thing that, like comes to mind like because it is again a politically driven message and it goes back to like what's your side are you democrat or are you republican because if you believe that we're going to make america great again and we need to have military rule in our streets in order to make that happen which is kind of the direction i can see things going over the next four years (laughs) and it sounds kind of ridiculous especially if you're listening to this from someplace outside of new york city but if you don't think military rule in your streets is possible just come on down to penn station and take a look around because there are military people with assault rifles everywhere around penn station everywhere around like grand central 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 station it is all military people and there was a time in this city when it was so much worse than it is right now people marching in like peaceful protests for the most part and most of the arrests happening because traffic is being blocked is nothing compared to what new york city used to be and in those days we didn't need military presence to block the streets, and we probably should have had it, all things considered. Right. And now we're in a place where the city is probably more guarded and more safe than it has ever been in its history. Like, from day one, this has been, like, one of the most violent grounds in the entire country. Right. This is a major target. But I'm saying just in general, like, when people came here, like, from other countries in the beginning, Mm -hmm. they were just getting people off boats. And they were like, you're assigned to the military. Congratulations. Welcome to America. We're sending you south to go fight in the war. Like, this has always been, like, the gateway to the bloodbath (laughs) has been New York. And we have come to the point where we can cohesively live. Like, we're not always in fear of each other. We're in, we're in fear that something can happen, but nobody knows what that thing is. We're just in fear. We're not looking at it now as, you know, especially you coming from a new place. Me having been here, you know, 20 years ago, I would have came up to Harlem. My first thought would have been, I'm going to be harmed. I don't belong here. That's not the case anymore. New York City has become very open and engaging. And there's still people that think that it shouldn't be. There's still people there's still areas where it's not good. Right. But not bad to not the point as it of what was. it was. Yeah. And now we need the military in. So you don't think that at some point in time 
we're going to all of a sudden just start bringing in military personnel into like other towns that is not New York City. Like we don't really need that right now. We need to have a police presence who will be there for us and be understanding and be open to like the ideas and things that can happen. And I'm man, I'm telling you, I understand that it could I cannot imagine a scarier job than being a police officer at this point right now. And I'm not talking about the bad ones. Because, I mean, you get what's coming to you if you're going to be, like, a fuck-up right. in life, no matter what you do, you know, for a job. But for somebody who puts on a uniform every single day and has to go and answer a domestic violence call, when you knock on the door, you don't know what's happening right. behind that door. But, you know, for those people that are doing that, it's still gotten better than what it once was. And what do you still... mean, like better than it once was? Like what? Like back during like the '60s and stuff like that? Oh or... yeah, because there was the tension was so much more because we were still being born as a country back in the '60s. Like we were basically where it was like the growing pains were happening. See, I've spoken to you know, and granted, this is my mom, but my mom lived in D.C. during the riots, like back mm-hmm. in the '60s, and. You know, and she said that like now, but she's saying this now from the comfort of a white bread world. Right. So I don't know if she would say the same thing if she had if she was living a place like the, the here in New York or if she was in Washington now, which I have no idea what it's like. But I mean, she lived through the riots and she lived on, in, in fear coming to and from work and things. And I mean, like she worked for the FBI at the time. So it was like it wasn't like she just had some job at, like, you know, a store or something like that. Like she worked for a major place that could have been a target for anything. Right. You know, and she just said she feels today is even worse than what, you know, the all of those, you know, the civil rights and and things like all of those tensions from back then, she thinks today is is worse. And I think it'd be interesting to hear what people of her generation who are more in tune with the reality of the world in a big city like this would be in, would say about today. Well, here's where I see a difference. Your mom, when she was working for the FBI in Washington, came from... A teensy town. A teensy little... Even smaller than I grew up in. teensy white town going into a diversified city. Mm -hmm. So that alone can shock the hell out of you. You know that's scary because you literally have just done it like a few years (laughs) back. But... You know, I think where the fear comes in is is you have, like, that seed planted in the beginning. And if you don't stay there and you don't, like, you know, get acclimated to the area to the point where you become comfortable and realize that fear is just, like, completely useless emotion in a situation like this. People who are fearful are the people who make bad things happen. Like, you have to be able to be a conscious person, a person who, instead of fearing things, breaks them down as logically and mm-hmm. quickly as possible and are able to assess a situation and then act accordingly, which we are not doing right now. Right. But, you know, what, what happens is if you don't get to that point and you come from a small place and that seed is planted and then all of a sudden you go back to a small area, that it it, it it like grows in you like you know that fear it's like you never addressed it you mm-hmm. were a part of it you saw it you said man it, this isn't for me it's you know mm-hmm. i don't want to deal with this you go back to the lifestyle that you were comfortable with and now that just grows in you and when all you see are images on tv of like marches and rallies and things like that you're thinking man this has to be the end of the world because 
this is my fear coming through, you know, right. years later. Where the reality of it is, you know, as far as, like, the marches and stuff, the only time I see the marches and I work in Midtown is when I come home and watch them on right. TV. We're not seeing that same images as the rest of the country are seeing. And I mean, which is good because that means things aren't getting torn to shreds and set on fire. People are doing it in a peaceful way. Right, it, and we've seen, you know, um, oh gosh, what I don't know if it was Trayvon Martin. Like uh, there, there's yeah. been so many, like, I mean, like, forgive me because there have been, there sad have been to say, there's been so many, but we were standing on 6th Avenue, like last year, I think it was, when there was a march for maybe like Eric Garner or something like that. And we, it was just, we saw the, the crowd coming from like a street and then they went up 6th Avenue and it was just, there was the police presence, they were on the outskirts and the people were just moving up the street and it was like, wow, like we're near where these people are marching because they had started at um i think union square or something or washington square and they were like working their way up probably to midtown and it was just like it like the news makes it look like especially when they take their helicopters and their drones and when you see it from above it's like look at this oh my god or they find the angriest person they possibly can exactly screaming like a lunatic and putting on on camera meanwhile there might be ten thousand people there and two of them are acting like that and it's kind of like exactly it's the same thing like when like i remember watching the news i think with my parents when um when Colorado opened their legal, you know, dispensaries. And I remember my dad was just like, look at these fucking hippies, these disgusting druggies and stuff. Because the only people in the line of people that they spoke to were hippies. Were exactly what you picture when you picture a pot smoker. They didn't show the guy in the three-piece suit standing in front of them. They they went straight to the stereotypical stoner and was like, this is what the state's going to be now. Not that there's a guy who's a fucking doctor or, you know, a business owner or whatever. There's a woman who's, you know, a teacher. Like, they don't show that shit because they only show you what they want you to keep thinking. Or the fact that Colorado is now rebuilding and giving out full scholarship to kids who weren't able to afford school, but... You know, it is, again, politically driven. It's a political agenda. But, yeah, and then, you know, and then getting back to the fact that, you know, of Generation Snowflake, where we're not teaching these kids to think for themselves. We're teaching them to be sensitive and wusses and to just stick their head in the fucking sand. Well, the problem becomes is that, like, if you're going to be so upset and offended by things to the point where you don't want to see them, and now you're telling colleges, don't teach us about this because we don't want to cry during our school day. Like, I don't want to be stressed. Don't. (laughs) How are you going to then say, like, what you see on the news should be questioned? Everything you see should be questioned. Everything. Because literally what we see and what we experience are completely different worlds right now. Mm -hmm. And if you're not able to tell people, look, man, you have to watch this because when you're done watching this, I'll be able to explain to you, like, what the actual story was and how we can maybe fix it. But there's no point in order to get the full story. You can't just watch one station. You have to watch every station that's out there or at least follow them on social media so that you get because every place has its own agenda. Well, that's it. And plus, I feel like right now we're in a world where, you know, we we are basically judging upon our own opinions. 
Mm-hmm. So depending on where you get your news from is where you decide who is right and who is wrong. Exactly. And no, the majority of people are not surfing around to get all the information. Right, no, I'm dying. of course not. And usually the important information, the real, real nuggets, and I mean, somebody getting shot is important. I'm not downgrading that whatsoever. But things leading up to a shooting, things that, you know, aren't happening on camera, things that aren't people haven't heard or people haven't necessarily seen, but a bystander might have heard. Or every single step of the investigation. Those things are not getting reported. Right, you know? right exactly. And you look at it and you're like, oh, well, then how how is it fair, man? And then, you know, and teaching kids to not, maybe not even just like, and I'm not saying confront because confront seems like an aggressive word, like, you know, confrontation, because like, oh, my God. Because like, you know, there's some people that are very confrontational. They're like millennials. Like there's just like, I know someone who is just, you can't say anything without her just being like, oh yeah, like that's misogynistic. Like that's this, that's this. Like somebody was talking about sports and she was like, that's a very misogynistic thing to say. And it was like about like a basketball player. And it's like, like you can't just add like your whatever, like your label du jour to things. But like when these, when you teach these kids to like not, when you teach things that don't upset kids like I remember being in school and seeing that picture of that Vietnamese boy get his face blown off in World War II like yeah we were we were learning that like go America we won the war yeah 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 but like when you see things like that it's like you can't be shielded from that. Like, I remember looking at pictures of the Holocaust, how horrible, like, the bodies piled up and things like that. Like, you're going to shield that from, because all of that shit stems into today. The civil rights things, like, we need to teach that so that you understand where the black community could be coming from. Like, you can't just not tell them, like, oh, everything is just rainbows and puppies, because that's not going to help them when the shit hits the fan. Do you know what I think makes us a more war-wanting nation than ever before right now is the fact that the majority of people who have fought in wars over the years, like over the, you know, with the exception of like the most recent wars, mm-hmm. they're they're dying off. There's not a lot of them left. So when you get like, you know, somebody coming in and running for political office who is like going here's we're going to fix things the old way and we're going to make America great again by the old way. And it's kind of like, and the people like rally behind that. I'm willing to bet you anything. The majority of those people who are like there standing on their soapboxes saying, yeah, this is what we need. Never been through a violent, turbulent time in their lives because the majority of those supporters are mostly like white Midwest Americans Mm -hmm. who are saying, yeah, that's what we need. We need to isolate ourselves from the war from the world. We need to like take action. We need to like destroy ISIS at any cost whatsoever. We need to like, you know, allow guns to be sold and whatnot. And it's like you are not people who have ever faced like a conflict. Right. You no, are exactly. not the voice of what we should be doing. Would the per- people who should be talking about like how ISIS should be handled and stuff like that are people who actually experienced war and know what they're going to be getting into. Right. Because, you know, you reading in a textbook that we want a war 
isn't a whole story. Right. It is all the shit that you just explained of people getting blown up and maimed and like the heat that it, the after heat that it brings. You know, just because you want a war doesn't mean people just smile and they're like, going, okay, war's over. All it's doing is breeding future. It's just beginning. Yeah, like the end of a war is just the beginning. Right, because it's just like going, you killed my family. Guess who I'm going to hate now? Right. It's what it is. And people aren't thinking that way. They're just saying, we want a war. We could do it again. <sighs> Exhausting. It Can is. We... It's, been a, it's been an exhausting week. Yeah. Why don't we get into a did you know and then go take a nap? That sounds awesome. <laughs> Except that you're probably going to edit, so I'll take a nap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Only if the show wants to get done. I'm not doing a lot of editing this show, people. I tell you, getting a raw. <laughs> Did you know? In keeping with the theme of this week's show, which is kind of all over the place at this point <laughs> in time, we're going to discuss Generation Snowflake. Which I keep thinking you're going to say Operation Snowflake, and that's what I'm calling it in my head. And every time you say that, I'm going to think of Meatloaf. His name is Robert Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson. This is all the way. His name is Robert Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson. His poor boobs. Stop it. Writer Claire Fox reported that in November 2015, a short video went viral that showed a confrontation between a Yale faculty head and a screaming, almost hysterical mob of students. The video generated such a backlash towards stu the students' behavior that they were soon labeled with the disparaging moniker Generation Snowflake. The situation had, had arisen after a request for students not to wear Halloween costumes that might offend minority groups. Mm -hmm. So... In a school saying, maybe we shouldn't do this, people started getting upset about it, and later this expanded to, you know what, everything that upsets us shouldn't be shown or talked about, and thus the birth of the snowflake generation had arisen. Yes. And that is this week's Did You Know? <laughs> Did you know? was a struggle to get through it man i was sitting right across from you i know it was so, a struggle to listen to it get thrown through well i mean i Gone feel through. like at least we know where like you know basically the uh the origins of this came from i mean it's not an old term by any means whatsoever but i feel like after seeing the story that was posted um the other day in the sun in the sun mm -hmm. that you know I was kind of surprised. I I I reposted the story and was expecting like, you know, nobody to respond to it, which is what happens with so many of my regular <laughs> personal social media posts. But I was kind of shocked when people actually were actually clicking on it yeah. and reading it, and I was like, oh man, this is not just upsetting to me. This is like upsetting to everybody. It's a it's a movement in and of itself, and it's it's a movement that really shouldn't happen because now is not the time for people to bury their heads in the sand. Now more than ever. We but need to wake up and join hands and... Kumbaya. Kumbaya. If that's what you want to do. Imagine all the people... I'd rather that instead of kumbaya, to be honest. Whatever, either way. Imagine 
learning more about the High Regard Show by going to highregardshow.com. Or if you have any comments, you can easily write to us at highregardshow at gmail.com. Well played. And you can also find us on social media as Go Figure High Regard Show. Yeah, we're there. And thank you so much to all the listeners who finally got us over the hump of 10,000 yes, subscribers 10, this thousand. week. Woo! Thank you so much. God damn, man. You're just listening to us just... <laughs> just rant about crazy bullshit. <laughs> we'll send each and every one of you a quarter. Nice and shiny. Yeah, as soon as we start getting advertising dollars <laughs> that we'd be able to do such a thing with. <laughs> all right, everybody. Until next week, thank you so much again. Stay safe out there. You dick. I was going to say that. Oh, you always lose. I do. I always do. Do you have anything else to say? No, because you'll just say something after it. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.